Well, amen. I'm glad I'm a child of love. Amen. I tell you, I appreciate that guy so much. It's exciting. Heard some hands clapping, some feet tapping. So uh, thank you guys for that exciting thing to worship God. And we don't need to be inhibited about it, but just uh, praise Him and worship Him. I invite you to turn your Bibles to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. promised you last week we'd finish our outline. We're going to do that this week. So uh, if you've held on to it, good. If not, you've got a new one in the bulletin, so pick that out. Uh, and uh, it was all about life's challenge or living a challenging life or letting God challenge us to live the way uh, that uh, is, is exciting, rewarding, fulfilling. Uh, it's really that... Uh, uh, compelling challenge that Paul gives to the church that you and I need to uh, be a part of today. We ought to consider what it really does mean to, to live for him. Last week we looked at things that we have to develop to be able to live a challenging life or a life that's challenging. One of those things is that it's a worshiping kind of life. It's a life that lives rejoicing in God and praising him uh, and that's full of that celebration for the Lord Jesus Christ. But you know, there's a, a, another one as well that we're going to look at this morning. As a matter of fact, we'll look at two. But let me read the scripture for you before we begin, and we'll come back and after prayer and dig into what the Word of God says. Paul says, verse 16, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit, do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Bow with me this morning and uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful today that we can truly live a, a life that's challenging us to live in, in greatness of our relationship with you. That we can have this Life, abundant life that Jesus Christ has promised us today. That, Lord, we don't have to be held down or bound by the things of this world or sin or our enemy Satan. But we can live in victory in Jesus Christ. Father, help us to choose that kind of life beginning this morning. Father, we're just praying today that you'll open your word to our hearts this morning. Uh, that you'll... Show us and encourage us. Uh, push us in the direction through your word that we need to go. Father, thank you for caring so much about us that uh, you would never give up on us, that we truly are a child of love. So, Father, I pray this morning as we, as we look into these, these verses of Scripture that we'll realize that we're looking into your mind and your heart and I pray that you'll show us the things that we need to know in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, not only worshiping, but also Paul reminds us that we need to be developing a watchful life. It's important as believers that we develop this watchful kind of lifestyle. The Bible over and over warns us against or warns us about uh, being understanding of the things that's going on around us. Uh, I don't necessarily mean to be engaged in it. But to be understanding about it. We live in a fallen world today. And in that world that we live in today, there's all kinds of opportunities for you and I 
to, to take a different path or a different course in life than what we should. And so we have to be watchful. Our enemy is constantly bringing attacks against us, that he's probing us, trying to find out how he can best affect us in a, in a bad way when it comes to our relationship with Jesus Christ. So he, he never sleeps. <laughs> he's always busy. Uh, so we have to always be on guard. The Scripture talks about that very thing, about being sober. In other words, being thoughtful about what we let into our lives, what we expose ourselves to, how we, how we process the things that we are, are uh, brought into our lives through this world. So we have to be watchful. We have to set a gate and a guard in our lives so that those things that, that we uh, find approaching us, that we can understand, know how to handle those things. Or maybe we've let some things in that we need to deal with. And, and uh, we can uh, also do that as well. Uh, but we have to be uh, watchful in our lives today. Now, God helps us in that very thing. And so he gives us some resources. Paul mentions a couple here this morning that we're going to look at. But he gives us some resources for discernment. Discernment is that ability to be watchful and, and understanding. It's being able to see what's happening, understand what it is, and know how to apply God's Word and, and God's truths to a certain situation and be able to make decisions about that. That's discernment. It, discernment always, for the believer, is, is processed through the Word of God, uh, through the Spirit of God. And those two resources that Paul mentions here are the Spirit and the Scripture. And so when we think about the Spirit, what does he say? He says in verse 19... He says, do not quench the Spirit. Now, I want you to think about that with me just for a moment when he talks about that. The word quench that he uses here is a, is a Greek word that means that it's like to quench a fire. You guys quenched a fire before, right? You, you throw some dirt on it. You throw some water on it. Uh, you, you close it up, smother it out, but you quench that fire. Now, what does fire typically do? Fire typically consumes. I mean, fire left to itself will consume whatever's around it. It'll consume whatever it touches. It, it, it goes into everything. Uh, if you've burned a brush pile here this spring, maybe some of you have, you'll, you'll understand what I'm talking about, that it consumes everything. Well, Paul says that's the idea, that's the desire of the Holy Spirit is that He wants to consume all of us. He wants to permeate every part of our thoughts, our, our life, uh, our, our, our values. He wants to soak Himself in all of our life, every part of it. And so Paul warns us against put, trying to put a stop to that. Whether we do it intentionally or unintentionally, He, re, he reminds us, don't do that. As a matter of fact, he commands us not to do that. He, he's, really what he's saying is that instead of quenching the Holy Spirit, give, it full free, give him full freedom in your life to really penetrate every part of your life. And, and so that, that's the idea. Now Paul gives another statement that's really similar to this. And, and I want you to hold your, your, your finger on 1 Thessalonians. I want you to turn back with me to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5. Because in, in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul kind of makes the same kind of statement, but maybe in a little different way. 
And, and he says in, in verse 18, he says uh, about the, the idea of the Spirit, uh, he says that do not be filled with wine wherein there is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So Paul says, in a sense, in this passage of Scripture, kind of the same thing that he's saying, only he says it in a negative way in 1 Thessalonians 5. He says, do not do this. And then on the other side of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, he says, do this. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, both in, in commands as well. And so in, in doing so, what, what he's trying to tell us or what God's trying to tell us is that we need to let the Holy Spirit control our lives. If we're going to be discerning, if we're going to have a, a watchful life, if we're going to develop that, it, it's really critical that we be filled with the Holy Spirit. That we allow Him to be in control of every part of our lives. Uh, you, you know, when we experience the filling of the Holy Spirit, it, it simply means that He takes control of our thoughts of our actions, of our reactions, uh, of our responses, uh, that He brings out in us the will of God when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, you know, the Bible talks about being filled with stuff. As a matter of fact, it gives a pretty extensive list of things that we can be filled with, and, and it's not always the Holy Spirit. Uh, one of the things that the Bible says, and, and, and I'll give you some of these because they contrast with the filling of the Holy Spirit. But one of those things is what Paul mentions here. He says, Don't, do not be drunk with wine wherein there's dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. So, so certainly we can, be, uh, we can be controlled or saturated or under the influence of alcohol, drugs, those kind of things. And, and if you've ever met someone or if you've ever, ever experienced this, you'll know that Whatever that substance is, it has the power to take control. I mean to make you do things and say things that you never imagined or never thought of. It takes control. And so what the Bible says, don't be, don't be filled, don't be controlled with those. You know, another one that the Bible talks about that we need to be aware of is, is anger or wrath. The Bible talks about being, being filled with anger or wrath. Uh, Jesus, when he began his public ministry, one of the first stops that he made was back at Nazareth where he was raised. And when he went back to Nazareth, he, the first thing that he did on the Sabbath is he went into the synagogue. And the Bible says that they, they gave him the word of God. He stood up and read a passage of scripture from Isaiah. Is that passage of scripture where he said, you know, I've come to, to, to give sight to the blind, to heal the brokenhearted. Uh, and, and so after he had read that passage of Scripture, he, the Bible says he sat down. And then basically what he told those Jews in the synagogue, he says, I'm him. I am, I'm the one that this Scripture is talking about. This Scripture is fulfilled today in him. In other words, what he was saying to Jesus is, I'm your Messiah. Well, needless to say, in, in Luke chapter 4, it talks about it. They didn't like that. And they grabbed Jesus up. And they took him to the top of the hill above the city of Nazareth. And, and the highest place there, they were going to throw him over. And Jesus slipped away through the crowd and left. But, but here's what the Bible says that they said. It says, so all of those in the synagogue, 
when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. You see, they were so controlled by anger and wrath that they were ready to take the Son of God, their Messiah, and throw Him over a cliff. Control. Dangerous, isn't it? When we let anything other than the Spirit of God be in control in our life. You know, another thing that the Bible mentions is, is ourself. <laughs> ourself can fill us up and, and control us uh, that, that very same way. Proverbs says this, The backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways, but a good man will be satisfied from above. <laughs> now, you know, good old Southern Baptist, we know what backslider is, don't we? <laughs> Somebody who's sliding back from God, isn't it? Somebody who's walking in the wrong direction. It's somebody who's going in the way they shouldn't be going in. And so what happens when that happens is that we fill, fill ourselves with ourselves, our own ways. And that's a dangerous thing when we allow ourselves to be full of ourselves instead of full of the Holy Spirit. Another one the Bible talks about is envy. You guys ever get envious about anything? Yeah. I mean, come on. I know. I'm never envious. When I see that car driving down the road, it's brand new and shiny. Never want that, right? Ne- never. You know, I, yeah, I, I'm about tired of seeing all these $60,000 fishing boats running around here in town. <laughs> I'm ready to ban those things. You see, envy is when we're not content with God. And when that lack of contentment with God fills our life, it begins to control us. In the book of Acts, Paul was teaching in Antioch in the synagogue. And boy, I tell you what, one of the best messages that you can read in all the Bibles in Acts chapter 13 when Paul's preaching to the Jews. And I mean he is preaching the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's calling out sinners who are lost to repentance. I mean, he's telling the whole group that you need to turn to Jesus Christ. Put your faith in him and trust his sacrifice, his burial, and his resurrection. He's laying that on. And they're loving it. I mean, they're enjoying it. As a matter of fact, they tell Paul, said, can we have some more of this next week? I'm, I'm never, anytime you guys want to ask me for that, it's okay. <laughs> they said, can we have some more of this next week? And, of course, Paul says, sure. And so when the next Sabbath came and they gathered, the whole town came. And the Jews looked out at what was happening. You know what? They didn't say, man, the church is growing. Look at all these new faces. They got upset. Here's what the Scripture says. But when the Jews saw the multitude, they were filled with envy. And contradicting and blaspheming, they opposed the things spoken by Paul. Why? Because they were full of envy. It controlled their lives. So you see, there's a danger, and we need to be discerning about what it is that fills us in our life. What, what, what's in control? And it must be the Holy Spirit. There's something I want to say about being filled with the Holy Spirit is that and I don't want you to be confused about it. But the filling of the Holy Spirit 
And we talked about this in our spiritual warfare class is that it's not the same as the baptism of the Spirit. You see, the baptism of the Spirit is that supernatural work that the Holy Spirit does when someone first comes to faith in Jesus Christ and when the Holy Spirit places them in the body of Christ or identifies them into the body of Christ uh, or connects them, however you want to say it, connects them to, to the Lord Jesus Christ, the body of Christ. And it's a one-time thing. But, but the Spirit, the filling of the Spirit is a many-time thing. <laughs> the, the construction of this language in Ephesians chapter 5.18 is what Paul is saying is to always be being filled with the Holy Spirit. So it's a continual thing. As believers that we have to desire and seek God to be filled with His Spirit. So don't get those things confused. It's different. Ministry of the Holy Spirit. But you see, the command is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, I say, you know, Brother Mike, it's really hard for it's really hard for me to be filled with the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, I don't even know if it's possible. Well, if you understand what Paul's saying, not only is it possible, but it's the expectation. <laughs> I mean, it's not the abnormal, but it's the normal. That, that should be the normal estate condition of the believer is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, you say, well, I, I don't know. That's, that's pretty hard. Well, listen, let me give you some examples. Peter was filled with the Spirit, wasn't he? I mean, in Acts chapter 4, when he went out, he, he was at the temple. He was teaching. They arrested him, put him in jail overnight, brought him back out. He stood before the Sanhedrin, the, the, the uh, high priest, uh, all those guys, scribes, and he was there, and, and he was given a defense for what he was doing. And the Bible says this, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. The Bible says the whole church in Jerusalem was filled with the Holy Spirit. Later on in Acts chapter 4, same, same chapter, uh, it says this in, in talking about the church. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Boldness. Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. The church was filled with the Holy Spirit. Later on in Acts chapter 6, when the church needed servants, guess where they looked? They looked for men who were filled with the Holy Spirit. So yeah, it's not, it's not an unusual thing, but it should be the usual thing, is that we're filled with the Holy Spirit. We'll never be watchful or discerning if we're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, what about, what's that look like? You know, I mean... Gosh, when I read things in the Bible, I'm talking about this. You know, what, what, a, what, what, what does that look like? Well, one of the things it does is that, is that it looks like when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, that self is decreasing, Christ is increasing. That's because we're f controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. Another thing that, that Scripture bears out in our lives as well is that our witness is more powerful. The Bible says, the verse I just read to you, it says they spoke the Word of God with boldness. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, then we're going to be bold in our testimony. We're not going to be quietened or we're not going to be uncomfortable about it, but we're going to be bold about 
sharing the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, another thing is, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, is there's, there, there is in us this deep sense of uncomfortableness or really, let me just say, hate towards sin. If the Holy Spirit of God is controlling us, then our attitude towards sin is dramatically different. I mean, not only do we not like it and we're not comfortable with it, but we absolutely detest it. The only way that we're going to be able to turn from those things and genuinely live in victory is is for you and I, through the filling of the Holy Spirit, to develop a healthy hatred for sin. Well, how about praising God? That's a... That's a a consequence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. What does it Paul go on and says in verse 19? Uh, Ephesians 5, 19, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart. By the way, if you're full of the Holy Spirit, you, can't, you might not necessarily be able to sing like my coward. Okay. But you will make melody in your heart. Okay. You, you will sing praises to God. Uh, all right, and he goes on giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So these things are are an outpouring of being filled with the Holy Spirit. W- one of the amazing things as well is that not only do we praise God, but also now filled with the Holy Spirit, we have a capacity to unconditionally forgive other people. Do you wonder why we hold on to? hold on to things and we become bitter and angry believers is because we're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Because if He's in control, where is He going to lead us? Where is He going to direct us? He's going to direct us to forgiveness. Forgiveness. Uh, another thing is, is that we will see the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Paul mentions that, but the fruit of the Spirit is Love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and all those things that the Holy Spirit produces. And all those things are a reflection of you and I being filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, if He's one of our resources, how do I use that thing, right? I want to know, how do I take hold of that resource and how do I begin to use that? If it's a valuable thing in my life to help me to be watchful and, and a resource for my discernment, then how do I do that? One of the things we do is that we repent of our sin. Right? <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I kind of tried to wrap my mind around what that looks like. But, you know, there's only room for so much in our life. <laughs> and and, and if, I, if our life has, has sin in it, then there's not much room for the Holy Spirit to work. So what do we need to do? We, we need to turn away from that, Right? We, we, we need to repent from that sin. And we need to make room for the Holy Spirit of God to work in our lives. Now, how did I know that? Because Jesus said one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit when he came would be to convict the world of sin. To convict believers of our sin. The Bible says if we are faithful and just to confess our sin, or if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when we confess our sin, what are we doing? We're taking back territory for the operation of the Holy Spirit in our lives.
giving him more control of our life and less control to the sin that wants to master our lives. Uh, another thing is, is that what helps that is that we immerse ourselves in the Bible. Right? I mean, we soak in the Word of God as believers. We'll do that. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And as we immerse ourselves in the Scripture, and as we, as we turn away from what we're seeing and what the Spirit's leading us to do as far as sin is, then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit begins to, to take more of our life or fill us with our lives. Another thing is to just ask. <laughs> I mean, you know, James says you have not because you ask not. Jesus was teaching his disciples one day about prayer. And, and he was saying about the Heavenly Father, he was saying, and comparing the Heavenly Father in a sense to earthly fathers, and he says if you earthly fathers know how to give good gifts, even being evil, and you still know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does the Heavenly Father know how to give you good gifts? Listen to what the Scripture says. If, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your Father, your Heavenly Father, uh, will give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So, Jesus, you know, is just, hey, how about asking, Lord, would you, would you fill my, my life today? Lord, would you show me when my life isn't being controlled by you? And would you take control of my life? And then, I think another thing is, is that there's that power of praise again. And then also, there's the idea of you and I presenting ourselves to God. One of the things I've noticed about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is that He really doesn't force issues with us, does He? He doesn't force our salvation. He doesn't force His presence on us. But what He wants us to do is really to present ourselves to Him. Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You see, if we want to lay hold, if we want the Spirit of God to control us, then what we have to do is to realize we have to make room for Him. We have to turn from our sin. We immerse ourselves in the Word, ask Him to fill us, and then present ourselves for that feeling. If we'll do that, then you know what? We'll be discerning. And we'll be able to hold on. You know, see, that's one, one aspect of it. You know, another th resource that Paul gives, not only the Spirit of God, but he also talks about the Scriptures. Listen to what he says in verse 20. Let me get back to my passage, verse 20. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 20 says this, Do not despise prophecies. You see, isn't that really the Word of God? You know the word prophecy... Really, mean, Let me give you a definition that I found for it. Let me just read it to you because it's pretty simple. Prophecies are the gift of expounding Scripture, of speaking and preaching. It's preaching the Word of God. You see, the Bible says that preaching is a powerful thing. We live in a world today where preaching is being despised. I mean, genuine, truthful, Bible-believing, God-honoring principles who just state 
and expound and explain the scripture is being despised in the culture that we live in today. Our world today, for the most part, hates it when the word of God's preached. Not a lot of change. It's really hated the word of God for thousands of years. But we're experiencing that today. Hates the preaching of the word of God. And so why? Because in preaching the word of God is life, redemption, transformation. All the good things that God wants us to do comes from you and I having faith in his word. And preaching helps strengthen that faith in the Word of God, in the Bible. And so that's why the world hates it. And so what does that do for you and I today? You see, the Scripture is, is in a sense, along with the Spirit, is that gatekeeper that helps us guard our hearts and minds. It's that thing that helps us watch those things that are critical for you and I to to be guarded against. Now, Paul goes on and he not only talks about these resources, but another thing, he talks about a response to uh, what, we, what we discover. He says, test all things. Now, the idea of testing all things means to examine. The way you examine something, you know, is that you have to have a standard. If I'm going out today and I'm looking at some rocks and I look at... I can examine them, turn them upside down. But if I don't have a standard to identify that, then I don't have a clue of what it is. If I pick up a rock and I look at it and I go to a a book with rocks and I look at it and I says, Oh, that, that particular rock is a piece of flagstone or it's a piece of granite. How did I know that I identified that with a standard? How do you and I test all things? We test all things by the Word of God. Now, Paul says test all things. Not just some things, but all things. So, in our lives as believers, we ought to be processing everything that we're taking in this world through the Word of God. How does that line up with the Bible? How how does that conform to God's truth? How, How can I define that According to how God does. We examine it. And so Paul says, listen, one of the things that we need to do uh, is, is that we need to respond to the world that we're in. We need to look at those things based on the Word of God and test it. Test all things. Okay? Does that make sense? Uh, we have to. Now, he also goes on and says, well, look, after you've got these resources... You've you've responded to the things uh, that's around you, your culture, this way. You've tested it. And so now, what's the results of that? What do we do with that after we test it? Well, he goes on and gives us some information about that at the end of verse 21. He says, test all things, hold fast to what is good. So Paul says, "After, after you've looked at it, and you've examined it, and you've tested it, what do you need to do? Well, if it's good, hold on to it. Right? If you've looked at some of the things that you're contemplating in your life, or maybe some of the things that you're doing in your life, you've lined it up with Scripture, and if it matches Scripture, keep doing it. All right? Keep doing those things. If you begin to examine the things in your life, the habits, uh, 
the thoughts, and you've been comparing those to the Word of God, and all of a sudden you begin to look and you say, you know what? What I believe about, I don't know, family, or what I believe about, well, forgiveness, really doesn't line up with the Word of God. Then you know what you need to do? Let it go. Let it go. Don't hold on to it. Listen, if it's, in, if it's in opposition to the Word of God, let it go. It will hurt you. It'll harm you. It'll destroy your life. <laughs> it's like when you get a hold of sin, it's, it, it'll eat you up. Let it go. But if it's good, hold on to it. Now, what else does he say about the results? He says, abstain from every form of evil. So when you examine your life, you look at it, hey, it doesn't line up with the Word of God, and you know what Paul says? Don't do it. Step back, abstain. You know what that means? The word abstain means, means don't do it. Don't do it anymore, right? Because it'll burn you. It'll hurt you. It'll destroy your life. And so we have these things, these resources for discernment so that we can respond with these resources, examine it, and then we can see the results of of those things, let it go or hold on to it. Depends on where it falls in God's truth. So now all of a sudden, guess what? We're growing in this life that, that, that the Word of God challenges us in because we're developing a watchful life, right? You will not grow unless we're guarding, watching what we're attaching ourselves to, connecting ourselves to in life. Now, let me give you the last thing. It's not as long as this, this one. Developing a witnessing life. I just want to sum this up real quickly. What happens when we test all things by the Word of God? What happens when we hold on to what's good? What happens when we when we turn away from evil, then now all of a sudden, we're a living testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ, witnessing of who He is, of His great salvation, of the power of Christ to change our lives. And so we become a witness when we do those things. You see, the challenge is, the challenge is to worship. It's to be watchful, but it's also to be witnessing. See, that's the kind of challenge that will bring incredible meaning to your life, to all of our lives. Take the challenge. Bow with me if you would. Heavenly Father, we are so very thankful today for... For your everlasting love. For Christ Jesus who came. And who became the example of righteousness. And not just the example of righteousness. But became our righteousness. Having taken our sin on himself. Dying. Being buried. Being raised from the dead. Through his sacrifice. We're made whole. Thank you for that today, Lord. Thank you for the challenge that you lay down for every child of God's life.
the challenge to live a life that worships you. To see a a life of, of watchfulness being developed in us where we're guarding against those things that that are hurtful and harmful to us. Where we're holding on to the things that are good. Where we're growing in our life as a witness. And Lord, thank you for the challenge that you give to us. Lord, we just pray this morning that we truly be filled with your Spirit this morning. That we not live another day without hungering and longing for that filling. Always be a part of our Christian experience in our life. Lord, help us to see the irreplaceable value of the Holy Scriptures in our life. Lord, I just pray this morning that you would speak, touch, draw, convict, encourage, uplift, whatever each of us need here this morning. And Father, you do this work in us today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.